This is No BS, a series of authentic conversations about the world of work. My name is Dr. Carlin Borosenko. I'm an organizational psychologist, and I work with individuals and organizations all over the world to help them create amazing work experiences. And I'll be honest, in the work I do, I run across my fair share of nonsense. In this series, we are going to call BS on the things that are just completely unnecessary in the workplace and explore how we can do them better. Ready to go? Let's get started. I am not exaggerating when I say that today's episode is a doozy. In fact, it's such a doozy that I had to break it into two different episodes just to keep it a little bit more digestible. What you're going to hear is a story filled with a mountain of BS surrounding the circumstances of my guests getting fired from not one but two positions and all of the different nefarious things that led up to that reality. Of course, we're going to try to make it positive at the end. We're going to talk about what he learned and what you can take away from it if you're in a similar situation. So without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so I'm so excited about today's topic because the issue of uh, BS reasons that people are fired or BS around the way firings are executed in organization is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, for people who don't know a little bit about my backstory, I've actually been fired from three different jobs, uh, which is not something an organizational psychologist will usually admit, um, but I, I think it's important too. Uh, the first job, or the, excuse me, the third one was actually... I I kind of orchestrated my own firing. So I don't really count that one. That's a story I'll tell you about on a, on a different day. But the first two were, they were instances that came out of nowhere for me. I had gotten no feedback about my performance, no indication that I was in any trouble. And in fact, in one case, I was actually assured that my job was not in trouble. And, and so it was a really shocking experience to go through. And I had, and both experiences, frankly, were really traumatic for me, not only in what happened, but in how it happened. And and in the course of my career, as I started to get more and more experience in this area, I started to hear a lot of stories around people having very similar experiences to me. And it occurred to me that it might not be all that unique, uh, what I had experienced. And I'm lucky enough to have Ed with me today. And Ed has certainly experienced some BS in this area. And I just want to explore it and what his experiences were like for him, what his perspective was, and how that felt to be on the receiving end. So welcome, Ed. Hi. Um, I wonder if we could just start off with you giving us some general background about uh, your experience and things like that. Sure. So um, let's see, I'm, I'm approaching 20 years in the workforce. Um, not quite there, but getting closer. Um, worked pri primarily for one employer uh, for a number of years, probably more than 10 of those years, and then had uh, actually more than 15 of those years, and then had a short stint at an, another employer. And um, let's see here, uh, degree in computer science, and I returned my for my teaching certification, so I kind of have a little bit of unique uh, perspective there. And then um, main main day to day stuff is is working kind of in the team leadership and agile software development. Okay. Great. And you actually sent in a couple of different stories to me and you just gave me one sentence about each. So I'm sure we're going to go in much more in depth, but I wonder if you could uh, tell me about your first experience. You said you were paid severance and shown the door when you asked for coaching training. Yeah. So that, that was the, the long tenure at, at one place. And um, the story leading up to that, let's see here. Uh, I, I actually got pipped uh, 
five years prior to that happening um, and never really got an indication that I was out of it, but still employed, still doing doing things. It was actually a really odd week that week that uh, that I found out actually I missed the, the appointment with our vet um, that week because I was getting pipped because and we found out at that appointment that uh, we were going to have to put our dog to sleep. And oh so goodness. that was really, really sad. And then it got, of course, got pipped. And then later on that week, we were, found out we were expecting our first child. So it was a tumultuous wow. week of, of things going on. Um, but so then, you know, buckled down, you know, got, got, you know, tried to do things to my best abilities and, and uh, lasted for a, a lot, a lot longer and got actually got some really cool things done in the organization. And then, um, can, yeah. I, can I just stop you there? Because I, I, yeah. I just want to talk about this experience of being pipped a little bit, because I think, you know, it's something that when when you go on a pip, it, it, it can be a really demoralizing experience if it's not executed well. And, and you obviously had a lot of things going on around that time period. Anyway, what did that feel like to be put on a pip? Oh, it was it was awful because it was basically, if I can remember right, and I, I've it was vaguely don't do these things. It was like, it was more so like your, your reputation is such because of these things that, that like you need to change the reputation of other people. And I was like, that's really hard for me to do. It was like a lot of, I felt like it was a lot of intangible things that I, that I had to work on and, and was made it a lot more difficult to, to succeed in the, in that PIP. Um, so I kind of just, basically reduced my focus, my, my circle of influence and kind of, kind of really just focus on what I could do rather than uh, like what I could do imminently in my position and with my team rather than the organization. So I kind of just really kind of coiled into my, to myself and focused on, on that uh, and stopped kind of pushing, pushing forward some things and ideas that I had at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a very, constricting, I guess, was, yeah. was the, maybe a way to put it. Um, and, 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 I, and I just want to call BS on, on how that PIP was executed for a second. And I see this with PIPs all the time. And for people who aren't familiar with this term, PIP is a performance improvement plan. It's, it's an official document that your manager has to work with HR to develop to basically say, in, and they're all done differently, but basically they say, if you don't do these things, you will be fired. And, and so it's, it's meant to be a plan where if you follow these steps, you get to keep your job here. But so many organizations do them so badly. And, and they, they phrase them in a way where success is not a possibility or success is absolutely outside of your control. And in your case, it sounds like it wasn't so much about you have to take these steps and they might not even be quantifiable steps that you can even measure whether or not you've been successful. And it's just gonna be about perception and it almost seems like in this case, it may have actually prevented you from making progress on things that could have helped the organization because you didn't want to ruffle any more feathers because you were afraid of losing your job if you did. Right, right, definitely. And I, and I don't remember the time frame of it because it was a long tenure, but somewhere during this, and I, I wanna say it was right before this PIP uh, or sometime before that PIP, the BS on my part is because I, I knew I knew my boss outside of work and there were some things going on in his personal life that I probably shouldn't have made some comments on. And I was, I was young and, and I had good intentions, but like, I can't, 
you can't control the the impact of your good intentions right and so now i would never have like even broached that subject but i think that that set things up for some some you know some possible problems or some contributions in there in that space but he at one point i didn't meet with him for a one-on-one -on -one for probably i don't know two to three months wow how did that feel to just have no interaction with your boss at all for that time period I, 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 part of me says awful but another part was like just like really this is complete bs like you should be meeting with with your unless you think that they're the most amazing employees and and they'd like i mean I, hopefully you're meeting with all of your employees because i i've also had some management experience um but it just uh they you always need some little feedback and if you don't um well he once told me when my yearly evaluation was late he and i asked why and he's like well it takes it takes a long time to get the right words together and i like immediately replied it shouldn't take eight months <laughs> but that didn't go over well no but i mean at the same time you got to call that that bs for what it is because it, it, it like there's more reasons that like tell me if they're you know the company isn't doing well and then we can think about opportunities to solve that that problem or if it's literally my performance tell me that or if there's not enough money in the budget or you chose to give those things just give me the truth i'd rather have that than to be like this game of i'm gonna wait and and find the right words for you because that just felt really uh i don't know i just felt like bs and so that that contributed probably to a little more of the constraint and ultimate lead up to the firing oh oh it was total bs like that's that he just didn't want to do it let's call it what it is he just didn't want to take the time to do it and it probably wasn't just with you i imagine unless you were the only person reporting to him oh, um, no. he had a lot of other direct reports like too many in my opinion but Again, yeah. it's just my opinion. Oh, and now we're veering into probably what the cause of the problem is. Is he, <laughs> he probably wasn't just a very good manager to begin with. But yeah, I, I want to touch on the the one on one meeting thing a little bit too, simply because this is literally the third conversation I've had today about the one on one meeting. And those meetings are so so critical. Even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, you always should have something to talk about with the oh, people yeah. you report yeah. that report to you, right? Yeah, and, and I, I will go out and on my way to say this. After I got pipped the second time, my my boss literally didn't meet with me for, I think it was like six weeks, or at least like three to four weeks, and, and never addressing any of the issues in my pip at all. Like, we didn't have our one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm like, you need to be coaching on this stuff if you actually want, like, intend to, like, it's not it's not an improvement plan at all. It's like a this is our plan to fire you plan. If you're not going to coach me afterwards, you need to be meeting with me uh, for your, for my one-on-ones. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, like there's, Ed, we're going to, we're going to have like a record breaking list, like in the hall of fame for BS moves that, that you're going to have in your story. But you know, that you, you hit the nail on the head there too. Like if you're going to put someone on a pip, you have to provide them with the support and guidance and coaching that they need to be able to be successful in this. Otherwise, just fire them. Just let them go. And I know that the organizations want to do this because it's a CYA move so they don't get sued later and they can say they did due diligence and all that stuff. But I mean, come on, if you're going to do it, actually put the effort in and have some integrity about what you're doing. It just makes no sense otherwise. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to meet with the employee and, and, and do the coaching after the performance improvement plan, that's BS. And, and in my mind, frankly, I think that they should be sued because of that. It's just bad, bad management, bad leadership. Like you should try and 
generally provide proof that you tried to coach this employee multiple times, not just this once that we wrote, wrote up this little slip of paper that said, don't do these things or whatever. Right. And can we also talk about the fact too, that articulating a piece of information to someone is not actually coaching. This is why coaching gets such a bad reputation in organizations, because you think if you write something down on a piece of paper and give it to someone that's coaching, or you think if you say, you know, I want you to do it this way, that's coaching. That's not coaching. That's feedback and that's guidance, but coaching is so much more in depth than just give like telling someone what to do and expecting them to march to your orders, right? Right, right. And their and their whole the whole thing that kind of led up to this last point was that I had uh, the company had chosen to go with some sort of um, behavioral coaching um, methodology, and I knew from my ed educational psychology portion. Uh, that that I knew that this wasn't going down the right track. And I even reached out to somebody who had their like multiple degrees in, in things and also like behavioral science or cognitive behavioral science, something like that. And he even called BS on it. And and so I said, give me something else that I can get training in that, that will, you know, line up and not like be in direct conflict, but just be a better approach to it. And so they sent me off to this training. And so I wanted to go back for more. And I thought like I, that was more individual coaching. And then the coaching that I wanted to get was more um, so uh, systems coaching and um, approaching coaching of, of lar like teams and group, larger groups. And so um, basically in my PIP, when they literally wrote up my PIP, they're like, we don't want you to get into this coaching training. Stop. Oh my God, because they know that you're going to learn the right way to do it, right? Yeah, that, that was my opinion of it, but of course. Um, so like enough time went on. It was like, I think four months went by um, between the PIP. It was like in May and then um, October, I figured PIP was over. I haven't gotten fired. Things are, are fine. And there was an opportunity I was going to get a new boss. So I was super excited about this. And so I mentioned the possibility of this new, uh, of this new training uh, to him. And it was different from what I had requested before. And I felt like there was more in line. And so he's like, yeah, sure. Write up a, write up a, you know, a proposal for it, a request, and, and I'll take it forward. And so he said, so I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we did a request for this other thing and then got it approved. I was like, okay. So I, I went above and beyond to even show how it overlapped with their preferred approach for, for coaching. Um, and so in the, in the request, and I felt like I was, I was really proud of the request and how I wrote it. Cause I, I wasn't trying to, you know, shirk the, the, the organization or anything. And so I didn't get a reply. And so I checked with the, the, the upcoming boss and, and no reply, or he said he, he, he had mentioned again. And so then he finally did to my boss and my boss's reply was, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this or something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him about it. And literally it was like that afternoon they were letting me go. Wow. Wow. So I just want to make sure we've got our, our timeline right on this because uh, you, we, we've skipped around a little bit. So you, you were put on a PIP, like you said, five years prior yeah. to, to getting fired and, and mm -hmm. you worked your way out of that one. And then it sounded like there might've been another PIP. Was there a second yep. one? Yep. Second PIP in, in May, May of that year before I was fired. Like, sorry, let go. Um, 
I think we should say fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, call it so. You know, even with severance, it it still is being let go or being fired. So. Yeah. So how long before you were fired did that second PIP occur? That was so. I was given the second PIP in May of that final year of my employment with them, and then in October is when I was fired. Okay. Okay. And did they relate the two together when they did it? Oh yeah, they like when when I when I was being let there go, they said specifically, we told you you were not to request training and you did. And so there- Are you shitting me? Oh, I probably shouldn't say shitting. That's gonna get like blocked or something, but like, are you shitting me? That was my reaction. <laughs> wow. So they told you in your PIP that you couldn't request training. Yes. What, why? I'm yeah. actually shocked by this. Like I, that's- I can dig up the paperwork. I think I okay. may still have it around. <laughs> Don't, don't do that. Don't worry about, about that. But <laughs> that is mind blowing. What else did they say in this PIP? If you remember? Um, well, and, and so I did, I did find out some more things, but um, one of the things was uh, BS on my part was that there was a particular tool that had just been procured um, and they had access to a lot of uh, GIFs and memes and some of which were entirely inappropriate. Um, like definitely will get you, especially, you know, like, and Me Too hadn't happened yet, um, but it, like definitely would have caught a lot of attention. And so I had reservations. I'm like, they should activate some filter. And so I studied and they did have a filter enabled. And I was like, hey, you should do this. And they're like, no, we're not gonna do it. And I was like, you're just asking for trouble. And so, and they, they still refused. I even let my boss know about it and no, nothing. And so the, then I, so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this then. And so I found this risque one that was medium. It was of a guy dancing uh, in front of fireworks with a speedo on. And oh, I, no. I used that in a public forum and then um, got, got talked to later about it and asked to move to remove it. And which I did. I was like, yeah, I knew. I, I know it was a little risque, but uh, yep, I'll, I'll get it removed. And I thought it was it. It, it was, the reaction was that. But that was literally mentioned on the PIP. Like, so they talked to me once and it was removed and I never did anything like that again. Yet they mentioned it on the PIP. And then they also mentioned it when I was getting let go. Okay, so let's just, let's just recap because I really want to make sure people have a clear sense of this. They acquired a system that gave people access to post probably many more offensive gifts and memes than the one you posted. They, they implemented this. Everyone had access to it. You brought up that this was problematic. They didn't listen. Then you posted one that sounds like relatively, frankly, innocuous and probably not nearly as offensive as you could have, um, but you posted it to prove a point. They told you to take it down. You did. And they still held it against you. Yes. Did they ever turn off access to that system or use the filter that you nope. aptly told them about? Of course nope. not. Why would and they still, do that? <laughs> still to this day, that is actually why my colleagues at that company think that I was let go or, or that, that I was gone. But you posted a GIF of a guy in a Speedo? Yes. Oh, for crying out loud. So nobody uses them, at least in public forums. Well, they learned, but what they apparently haven't learned is that it's obviously not the real reason you were let go. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if it was the real reason, just turn on the bloody filter. Exactly. Exactly. This isn't even a hard problem to solve. I mean, no, my gosh. No, it really is. 
that's why. Again, more BS when I saw you were doing your no BS podcast. I was like, totally, that's BS. Uh, here you go. No. Now, again, from my standpoint, especially, you know, since since the Me Too era, I, I definitely would have uh, chosen differently now. So that there's, so there's some learning that occurred there. Um, but even so, like, the, I've heard worse jokes since then in public forums and seen worse just in, in public forums. So that's crazy that's crazy and we're gonna have the gif versus gif discussion a little bit later I think. <laughs> um <laughs> i'm just kidding we're totally not gonna have that discussion it doesn't really matter um but um so so you got fired for asking for coaching training and for pointing out an obvious flaw in something that they implemented that they chose not to listen to yep were there any other reasons um uh, there was a little bit of of um job function in there that the teams were struggling and the tough part about that uh, that I worked really hard and this is actually why I requested the coaching training because there was a clear um, difference of opinion on on how the teams were being run uh, between management or actually just my boss and the team like the team pretty much didn't respect my boss and so I was caught in the middle of them actively uh, disengage from his, his, you know, my boss's requests and my boss making requests that they didn't want to do. And so I was literally caught between the two wondering what the heck I could do to, to help heal the divide and, you know, get us to where we needed to go. And that's why I was seeking out the coaching training because it had literally gone to uh, dysfunctional, um, you know, what's the, the four horsemen, um, like I wanted to understand more about that to um, from what's his name. I, I'm forgetting it now, but uh, I'm, I'm forgetting it too. I know exactly who you're talking about too. Do- Dr. John Gottman. There we go. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wanted to learn application of this so I could actually heal the divide, fix the, you know, fix what was going on as much as I could uh, and, and get things going in a better direction. But it just literally, it didn't matter. I think that that I was the, if I couldn't do it as the, the leader of the team, then then they were going to find another leader for the team. So it sounds like just to kind of sum up here, you're coming to them in good faith. You're trying to do the right thing. Your boss sounds like he's absolutely a useless manager. And I hate to be that crass, but he just kind of sounds useless. He's not actually being a manager if he's not meeting with you ever that makes no sense and you're the one that ends up taking the fall for it yeah how does that how did that feel oh absolutely horrible i happened to up and move i like with a kid on the way that was the other thing is i i literally had my fmla paperwork signed uh and on my desk and i was going to submit it and then take off because they had just had a parental leave policy added that year and so I was going to be combine that with my time off and actually take off a month of work. And now looking, well, and actually I was, I was going to, since I got pipped in May, I was just going to start looking for a new job. Well, use the month I was off from work to find a new job. And if they would have just done that, they wouldn't have had to pay me probably severance yeah. to go look for a new job. But it, that's, the, that's how it came out. So, man, what, what could they have done? I, I feel silly even asking this question, but I'm going to. Um, what? How could they have done it differently to to be more professional about this whole thing? What would you have changed? Well, actually, I think I did it at my next job with an employee 
that whose reputation was such that he was not going to be successful at the company, um, unfortunately. And so um, I had, and I, and I say I had the awesome opportunity to coach him out of the op, uh, organization. Uh -huh. And um, it sounds really bad. It sounds really crass. Um, but I, I tell you, like, I wish my boss would have done that for me if, if legitimately that I was not going to be successful at, at that organization because of whatever, you know, reputation I had in the organization, then just to level with me straight on that. And so I, I told him, I told this employee that I had in the next organization, I said, you're, it's unfortunate that people have made up their minds about you because I see the pro the potential that you have and the passion that you have it's it's unfortunate but my best recommendation unfortunately for you is to is to find another another job mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting actually because i think sometimes and i i've certainly coached people out of organizations as well and it's it's a hard conversation to have but i think i agree with you that it's it's a much better conversation to have than just showing them the door and helping helping them try to take that next step, right? Right, because as long as they're learning something uh, about that, about what they can carry forward to that next organization, then you're then you're doing it right. If it's all just don't do this, don't do this, it's all rules and walls, and and they don't understand why those rules and walls are there, you know, even to protect them or whatever, it, it just doesn't make sense to them. So if they can figure out some actionable steps or or things that they can take with them, lessons learned that as they go out the door, then that's great. Otherwise, just don't do this. Don't, yeah. don't make the boss angry or whatever it is. Or even when you're doing it, I mean, I, I worked with one organization where I was, I, I was so terrified for, for this one kid because he, he, um, I, you know, he, he struggled with manic depression and, and I, I, you know, he was pretty open about that with me when I was working with him, but he, it was, it was so bad and he was so miserable in this job and he was just not going to be successful. And, um, I, I got their organization or I, <laughs> I think I, I may have forced them into this, um, unwillingly, but I, it ended up that they put him on administrative leave. So he had a couple of months of cushion and then he also ended up getting paid during that time. So he had time to go out and look for another job, but they almost didn't do that. And I was frankly like, really terrified. I was like, he's going to do something to harm himself, mm. like on your doorstep, if you don't do something for him. I was, I was, so I think that, you know, there, there are ways to do it well. And, and if you're going to let someone go, you know, have the, I agree with you, have that honest conversation with them, have, and make sure that if you're going to let someone go, like try to give them a little bit of a cushion because, you know, organizations want employees to give them a minimum of a month's notice before they, they go to, to leave for another job. So why aren't organizations doing the same, and some of them do, but doing the same in terms of salary and benefits when you're showing someone the door? Yeah, yeah. So that second organization that I worked for would have let them go early had they given them notice. Yeah. Which flies in the face of that and I know I've seen that conversation posed multiple times on multiple social media platforms so uh, this is a really good stopping point for part one of this episode don't worry we're going to continue it in the next episode so you're going to hear all the juicy details of Ed's next job and the nonsense surrounding that but listen I wanted to just do a quick pause and talk about some of the key points and learnings that we've established so far number one we talked a lot about Ed getting put on a pip and how that pip was just done 
disastrously wrong. There are ways to do performance improvement plans well, but you always have to keep in mind that the success of the employee has got to be at the center of how you orchestrate your PIP. If you don't want them to be successful, then why are you going through all this effort? As a part of that, Every manager who puts an employee on a PIP should take personal responsibility for being there to coach and support that success. You have to have regular one-on-one meetings. You have to have conversations where you're talking about what's preventing them from being successful and what can be done about it. Those one-on-one meetings, by the way, should never be optional when it comes to being a manager. That is part of your job. When you take on the role of managing people and literally being responsible for their career, the very least you can do is give each and every person reporting to you 30 minutes every single week of one-on-one FaceTime. It is just an absolute no-brainer. It is one of those things that will create game-changing relationships in the office. And if you're really not willing to do that, then coach them out of the organization. Give them a little bit of a cushion. Like I said on the podcast, organizations usually like to have at least a month's notice when an employee is leaving. Why aren't organizations giving employees the same benefit? So many of them just cut and run. Like you're here today, gone tomorrow, no severance, no benefits, no cushion, no nothing. If you want your employees to give that to you, then you should dang well be giving it to them and work with them to help support their success in a future role. And lastly, and I can't believe I even need to say this, but if your employees bring up clear problems with systems and tools that you've established, do not fire them for demonstrating that it's a problem. They're trying to help you. They're trying to do the right thing. Their heart is in the right place. Sometimes they go about it a little bit haphazardly, but you have to take that good intention and put it to use for your best benefit because what would happen if you could get them to focus that energy and that attention and that effort on other things that are business critical to your organization? These behaviors should be rewarded and celebrated, not punished. All right, so in the next episode, we're going to go into part two of Ed's story. And spoiler alert, you're also going to get to hear my story about how when I orchestrated my own firing. I wasn't planning on telling it, but it came up and, you know, it's a little bit of a doozy as well. So I hope you enjoy that. I hope you come back for part two. And yeah, see you then. Now, if you want to join in on the conversation and tell me about some of the BS you've experienced at work, head over to nobsatwork.com. You'll fill out a short form just telling me how to get in touch with you and a quick word about what you want to talk about. Don't worry. You do not have to reveal your identity to come on the podcast. If you want to, that's perfectly fine. But you are also welcome to come on anonymously because I care far more about the experience than revealing who you are and the specific organization that you work for. So head over to nobsatwork.com. You'll also be able to find past episodes of the show. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation, I think you'll love my book. It's called Zen Your Work, and it's all about how to infuse mindfulness techniques into your work experience so you can reduce your stress, be more creative, be more productive, build better working relationships, and create a more fulfilling work experience. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me at zenworkplace.com. Of course, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, and you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Carlin B. Until next time, I sincerely hope you don't have too much BS at work, But if you do, we'll try to focus our energy in a more positive direction. Reach out to me, we'll have a chat, and we'll figure out what we can learn from it to do it better.